Welcome to The Pump Spot. I'm Amy Van Heron, and this platform is a place where we value community conversations and elevating voices around real topics, issues, and mothers. With that in mind, we wanted to bring you a very timely conversation between Lisa from our team and Erica Polanco-Webb, a mother to five and a powerful voice for change. This episode is the second in our series of conversations with Black mothers and leaders. Without further ado, here's the conversation with raw emotion, experiences, and so many insights between Lisa and Erica. Well, Erica, welcome to The Pump Spot, The Pump Spotting Podcast. We, as you know, just really value community conversations and truly we value you. You've been part of our community for a few years now and you're very vital to this group. And so thank you for being here. No problem. No problem. Thank you guys for, you know, just having such a wonderful platform that supports moms, especially breastfeeding moms. I think it's just really important that we have that kind of support. And I just love the work that you guys do. So it's been a pleasure to like meet you guys and just be a part of it. Thank you. And I know you personally, but our wider, broader community does not. So can you start by telling our pump spotting community who you are? Absolutely. So my name is Erica Polanco-Webb. I'm a motherhood journalist and I've coined myself as such because I love to share stories about women and mother and our journeys and our stories. I'm also a married mom of five kids. I have a special needs son. Uh, He has cerebral palsy and I am actually a doctoral student. I am focusing on innovation and strategy and I'm hoping to use that to help moms in the workplace. That is incredible. I saw that recently and I'm so excited for you. Just know that we're continuously cheering you on, especially in this journey. You have so much on your plate as a mother as it is, and yet you continue to hit the ground running. And that is so admirable. Tell us to where are you from? So I'm from Chicago. I'm from a suburb of Chicago, Uh, born and raised here, been here all of my life. Before we jump in to questions that could get deep, I'm not here to pretend that I know how you feel at all. And I really want you to know that this is a platform for you to share that and amplify some of your story. I'd love for that to lead into, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to be in this space with us and what you want to share. So I think it's important and I desire to be in this space with you guys because one, I, I trust you guys is I trust how you present information and I know that you will secure the integrity of the conversation. And I think it's just important that African-American women's have, we have an opportunity to share what we're experiencing, what's going on and how we can better help white America understand our position, what we're going through, and just how to make things better. I think so often this has been going on and no one has really had the deep conversation that's been needed. I think it's been kind of, you know, scratched on the surface for so many years. And it's not until now with the murder of George Floyd that, and COVID on top of that, that we have had the opportunity to sit down, uh, not be distracted from our normal life that we were living before COVID-19 happened and really digest everything that's going on, everything that's taking place. And I believe that 
with the situation with George Floyd, a lot of people are wondering what what makes this so different. It's not about what makes it so different. It is just that it's at a space and a time where people are fed up. And to watch with your own eyes an eight-minute video of someone being literally killed in front of your eyes, I think just the the gruesome aspect of that, I think it shook everyone to their core. And for some people, it shook them. For some people, it made them upset. For some people, it made them full of rage. And I think all of these emotions have finally come to the surface and we feel like it's time that we have these conversations and really ignite the change that we desire to see. What types of conversations are you having with your family right now and within your network? So your close group of friends, what does that look like? So it's, it's been, it's been complicated recently. My daughter, when all of this happened, actually a week ago, um, week and a half ago, my daughter experienced a situation. She had met up with her friends at a park. Two of them are black. That's including my daughter and four are white, their teammates on their dance team, and they hadn't seen each other since school ended in classroom for them, so back in March. And so they were excited to take this opportunity to meet together at a park with their trunks open, practicing social distancing and just seeing each other and chatting. And unfortunately, the events that unfolded was just unbelievable, especially in the wake of everything that happened. So basically, a white man came and he recorded them with his phone and he he had on sunglasses and it made it very mysterious to them. Uh, keep in mind, these are underaged young girls in their cars and he's videotaping. And shortly thereafter, uh, he left. And once he left, the police arrived. And when the police arrived, they mentioned that they had gotten a call and they were told that they were trying to protest. And so the police did assure them that he was able to see that they were not protesting. However, he did tell them that I think it's best if you guys leave, that that would be the safe things to do. And so with that being said, in the midst of this happening, I had texted my daughter and something, I think it's that motherly instinct. I told her, I said, come home now. Something just told me to tell her that. She had only been gone about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and the park is walking distance from my house. But something just was unsettling. And so she came home immediately. I was actually surprised at how quickly she came after I sent that message to her. But she came in and she was distraught. She was completely just full of anxiety. She was crying. Uh, she cried. I cried. We just cried as she began to tell me what had happened. She didn't understand. She just couldn't really fully understand how all of a sudden, you know, she's been accused of protesting. Basically, she's accused of doing something that was not taking place. And so we had to jump full into the conversation about what's going on. Now, the topic of race, of course, is not something that's taboo in my household because we are African-American family uh, and we do live in a predominantly white neighborhood. And so we are not, we don't shy away from having the conversation about race. We've experienced racism in just a bunch of ways. My daughter has experienced it at school. I've experienced it um, in many ways in my community. 
So we just had to really dive into the conversation. I had to really just build her up to know that one, we're going to be okay. Two, there are, there, there's a lot of things going on right now that it is, it's very, it's sad. It's confusing when you're young and you have white friends and you are not racist and your family isn't racist and your friends aren't racist, but the world around us is. And so we had to really dig deep, have some tough conversations about it and really just become more aware, make her more aware, make her understand just to what magnitude, what all of this really means. And, you know, I just want to be here to talk about, you know, how we can ignite change, the things that Black women, Black families are going through right now, and just how, you know, our white allies, white friends can just be a pillar of support, help us through this time and also be a voice for us because we do feel voiceless in a lot of these situations because we have we don't have the support. And when you only have other black people supporting you when these situations happen, it seems that it falls on deaf ears. And that is what I think has really crippled this entire race conversation in the past is that it has been a lot of black people rallying behind black people. And so now it's like, okay, if you're really my friend, if you're really for me and you're white or non-black, can you speak up? Can you also share and say, Hey, this isn't fair. Can you also, you know, be an advocate for uh, some of these inequalities and equities and injustices that we experience? I love that you're talking about the term ally in general, because recently I was reading something that struck me when it said allyship is a verb, right? So we have to take action, particularly if we're going to label ourselves as an ally. We are a community here and we rally for one another. So can you share with me, what are some of those allyship actions that some of your friends have taken that have been really helpful right now? Especially because as a mother, what you just described is a whole nother level of emotional trauma that you're going through, watching your baby go through this. Absolutely. So some of the things that has been done is, you know, similar to what you guys are doing, you know, uh, opening up the conversation on your platforms, allowing us to speak. I've had friends reach out to me. I've had a conversation with another blogger friend who, you know, wanted to talk about race. Uh, and I think just opening up the conversation, I've had people text me, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And, you know, my response is, you know, you know, thank you, number one, for reaching out because that means a lot. And it shows that, you know, you are you're invested and you are in the conversation. And that's important. Number two, I don't want I don't want my white friends to feel that they have to always apologize for the actions that other people have taken, especially if that is not how they present themselves and how they show up in this world and how they show up for me. Uh, but I do think it's important that on their social media platforms and the conversations that they have with their families, that they talk about it and don't shy away from it. And for me, that's invaluable. When I see some of my white friends on social media and they're speaking about it, that makes me happy. And that makes me happy because they are, they're being brave and they're speaking up and they're showing support. Whereas if you're going to be silent, 
then you're not being an ally. You're not showing that action. What are you doing to show that you really are an ally? What is the action behind it? And that's that's the important piece that Black people, I can tell you, want to see. You know, if you say you're for us and you support us, okay, so what are you gonna what are you gonna do about it? And I think that's what's so beautiful about this share the mic movement that's going on. I think it's I think it's wonderful that Black people are having the opportunity to speak in traditionally white, you know, atmospheres. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a perfect way for us to start remedying the situation and bringing about change. And that is what I know Black people really want to see, especially myself, is seeing that that action piece and just seeing people interested and invested as much as I'm invested in it. Change is such an interesting concept to discuss too, because it may happen in small increments, but when each person is making those small increments, it's going to add up to something bigger. And because I know you and know the history of some of the experiences that you've had, it's a long time coming, right? (laughs) I would love to ask if I could share or read to you part of a blog that you shared with us that we will also be amplifying on our platform, because I think it speaks to some of what really continues to need that radical change. And I'd love for you to reflect on that with us here in this conversation. Is that okay? Absolutely. That's fine. Okay. So Erica shared a blog that she wrote about being a Black stay-at-home mom in the suburbs that she lives in. And leading up to this paragraph that I want to read, she's really setting the scene that she's not included in some of the mom community that is surrounding her. And so I'm quoting you, Erica. It says, now, don't get me wrong. I love my neighborhood and my neighbors I've come to be really grateful for. However, I am reminded that we are not one in the same. You see, being a Black stay-at-home mom typically suggests that you are between employment or you're a welfare recipient. Having a husband that has a salary that covers the home, well, that seemingly just can't be the case. It's okay. I can roll with the punches. However, it's not really okay. The lack of inclusion is staggering. I have been asked, are those your kids? Or do you do hair? Or do you need a waiver for registration fees? Or are you sure you're at the right school as I was trying to register my daughters? Oh, and this one, that's EBT, right? These are just a few comments. As you can see, the Black stay-at-home mom is clearly not the norm. Yes. Um, Just hearing it and you know, reflecting on these, all of these situations, uh, it is, it feels a little emotional because you think about it and it's like, wow, I can't believe that I experienced this. And I, and I think it's because when we, when black people, when we experience these things, it's like, oh, here we go again, someone else, you know, saying something crazy to us or labeling us as another statistic or just these preconceived notions of who we are. And that's how we approach it. And we kind of go about our day. And it's not until we sit down and we reflect and we think about the culmination of all these experiences that it's like, wow, this is a lot to carry. And so when people 
traditionally say things like the angry black woman or she's always upset. You know, if you sit down and you think about or consider everything we've everything we carry up until that point when we are talking with you, you'd be surprised at just how how many situations we have been involved in where we have been put down, where we have been just completely ignored. And then we have to show up with a smile on our face and we have to show up in a way that makes other people comfortable when they have no idea what we have experienced. And I can tell you, even as simple as the EBT situation, I was buying groceries and the chase card is blue and the EBT in Illinois is blue. Now, I'm not sure why the cashier assumed that it was EBT besides the color of my skin, because it's not like I handed her the EBT card because it wasn't even an EBT card. I was using my Chase card, but she assumed that it was such. And when we experience things like that, it's so traumatizing. We're full of anger and it's just very upsetting. It's very upsetting. And when she said that to me, EBT, right? I said, wrong. That's all I could say. I didn't, because I was so upset, but I was with my kids and it was just like, this is not the time, the place or the space. And I just wanted it to be over. And we deal with that so much. My husband is biracial. He's Panamanian and black. And he shared with me that, you know, uh, it's just so annoying just going to work because he commutes and he gets on the metro. And he said, you know, the scoffs I get, you know, people feeling like they don't have to move out of the way. Uh, me trying to squeeze in between spaces because no one wants to clear the space. This is what we deal with before we even get to the workplace. So we're experiencing racism before we even get to the workplace. So then when we show up at the workplace and we have to deal with things there, you know, it makes it even more difficult. And so all of these experiences are just, they're traumatizing. They weigh heavy on us. And it causes us to sometimes have to show up and, you know, sometimes you may show up aggressive and that's because you don't know when you're going to experience this. If you've been traumatized by this for so many times, you keep your guard up. You have your guard up because you want to protect yourself so that when this does happen, you can feel like you're prepared because being caught off guard with these, these comments and, you know, experiencing these situations is you feel so powerless. You feel so defeated. Because in our minds, we're always hopeful that this person doesn't feel this way. And to be honest with you, we're not even thinking about I'm black when I show up in here. So let me make sure I, you know, do certain things. Some of the times, you know, we're just hopeful. We're doing like anyone else is doing. We're grocery shopping. You know, we're browsing the target line, the target aisles. But it's heartbreaking when now you have to show up and it's like, okay, first, let me check the scene. Let me be aware of my surroundings because I am black showing up in this all white space. And I need to make sure that I'm protecting myself, whatever that may mean. And it can be challenging. And I think especially now because it's just really amplified right now. So, you know, one, you're showing up to make sure you're medically safe because of COVID. And then second, you're showing up because you're black and you're just trying to make sure that you are safe because you're black. And so it's a lot. It's a lot to carry. Because you're doing those things for yourself, 
and you have children. <laughs> I mean, right now, a lot of us probably aren't taking our kids to the stores, right? And browsing Target aisles with kids. But you also have to have that level of protection over your entire family. And I want to honor that that is a lot. Motherhood is a responsibility as it is. And it continues to grow deeper when you have this level of trauma and concern around you and where you live, which should be a safe space. Um, There's one other line that you included as you wrapped up the blog post that you shared with us to share with our community. And speaking about motherhood and you say, we are to be represented and treated with the same ethos as our community. We demand inclusion. Absolutely. I can't believe, and it saddens me that, you know, we have to have this call to action, right? Like we demand that you treat us fair. We demand that you treat us equally. And the time is now because our children are watching us and there's a level of responsibility when it comes with that. You know, I don't want to continue to experience attending my daughter's dance competition and the moms on the team don't include me when they go out for lunch. And my daughter has to experience that. Like, why wasn't my mom there? What happened? You know, I don't want us to continue to have to deal with that. It's not fair. We're showing up for our children just as everyone else is showing up for their child. And we shouldn't be considered any different. And I don't want my kids to have to continue to see this kind of behavior because my grandparents fought for things to be better than this and their parents fought for things to be better than this. And so I think that the time is now and change has to be implemented. So if you see a black woman, don't exclude her because she's black you know, maybe include her, ask her a question, ask her how she's doing, speak to her, talk to her. You don't have to pass her up as if she does not exist. I don't think anyone wants to be a part of the Mean Girls Club and no one wants to be a victim of the Mean Girls Club. And so if that really is your position, then be inclusive, talk, speak. No one is saying we have to be best friends, but I think just being being respectful and being, you know, a stand-up citizen is what is really important now. A lot of the a lot of these situations is, you know, people aren't even being a stand-up citizen. You know, some of this is just being kind. These are the things that we teach our children. So if we can even display the same things that we're teaching our children, then how can we expect that of our children? So when our children show up at school and they're saying racial slurs and they're behaving like this, then we shouldn't be surprised. And it has to stop now. It has to stop. Being a stay-at-home mom in suburbia is tough. It really is tough. And you try to keep your eye on the prize, which is taking care of your family, you know, just being sure that you're doing the right thing for your family and you immerse yourself in the things that give you peace, give you solace, and you try to ignore the issues that surround you as far as racism. And you just say, that's just how they are. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to accept that that's just how they are. And I'm supposed to sit back and be quiet and not have, not and, and feel that I'm invisible in this community. I don't think it's fair. And so I think that, you know, now 
is the time. Now is the time. And I'm actually very hopeful that something beautiful will come out of all of it. It's not fair and it's not right. You have offered so much insight and wisdom to our community that I know so many are going to be grateful for. Just want to ask, is there anything else that's on your heart that you really want to share with us right now? I think right now is a good opportunity for everyone to listen, understand everyone's perspective, ask questions if you have them, reach out to a Black mom, a Black friend, or if it's someone that you follow on social media, engage, engage with her talk to her, ask her some of those tough questions that you may have, because I think this is a a great time to educate ourselves and just fully understand some of these situations. You see, because a lot of white friends are saying, I didn't know that this was happening to that magnitude. Whereas a lot of black women are saying, well, I was trying to tell you, I'm trying to, I've been trying to share, but you weren't listening and you weren't paying attention. And so Now more than ever, I'd like to see everyone being engaged in the conversation. Don't shy away from it. Talk to talk to your family, your friends about race. Expose your children to books that have brown children as main characters and just really just really be open and have a level of compassion that you probably have never had before. Because Black people are really hurting. It, it's a it's a deep letdown, and there's just a lot of emotions. And you have some people that are full of rage, and you have some people who are just simply hurt. Just you know, just a sense of of sorrow, and they hurt. And so I just like for people to show up, show up, and use their voice and speak up for the Black community. Thank you for showing up today and for showing up over these past few years in our community as such an important piece of this motherhood web that intertwines us all. No problem. No problem. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. I love you guys. I love your mission and what you're doing. And I so appreciate the work that you guys are doing. And uh, it's been a it's been a pleasure. I'm happy to, you know, just be a voice in this conversation. Thank you. And for everyone who's listening, can you tell them where they can find you to connect further? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Sinking Heels of Motherhood. And on the web, you can find me at sinkingheelsofmotherhood.com. I also have a podcast and it is called Sinking Heels of Motherhood. It's pretty consistent. So if you Google Sinking Heels of Motherhood, you can find me. Well, we love to continue to find you and your voice here in our sea of mothers and we're ready to share this. So thank you again, Erica. Thank you. This has been the Pump Spotting Podcast. We'll be continuing the conversation and hanging out over on our app. We hope you'll come by to share your story and thoughts. And if you haven't already downloaded Pump Spotting, it's quick and easy to set up your profile and join the community. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to our wonderful production team at Pitchwire, who partner with us to bring you these stories. 
We'll see you next time. And remember, you are capable, you are radiant, and you are not alone.